Good morning. I too would like to welcome everybody out to the services this morning. And if you consider yourself a visitor, we're happy to have you and hope you stick around after services and let us get to meet you. Before we get started this morning, there was one announcement that didn't make it this morning, and that's Richard and Rebecca McCarthy. Uh, Rebecca was involved in a car accident. They uh, had planned to be at the Thanksgiving dinner last night, but she was involved in a car accident and broke her leg. And she is in Big Baylor right now. She is in the hospital. They're asking for the prayers of the church. I'm sure as we get updates, there will be emails as we get updates. So please keep them in your prayers. Psalms 139 in verse 14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Most people have heard this verse. You've seen it around. Several sermons have mentioned it. Sean, in his series on Wednesday night, said it. Makes a good bumper sticker good signs to hang up in your house, probably the second most popular Bible verse to hang in your house. There's even a store in Rockwall named after it. But how many actually take the time to understand what it means, what it means for you? There's several aspects of this verse that we could uh, approach it from. Creation, being made, not being an accident. A series of random mutations. Abortion being made from the womb. But we're going to approach it what it means to us as individuals and what it means in our service to God. We're coming upon the time of year, many people call it the most wonderful time of year. You have kids outside throwing mud balls because this is Texas and we got our allotment for snow for the next decade. You have people gathering together and we had a, one gathering last night, Thanksgiving, and a lot of good food and probably ate too much, but uh, it was good. It was good. Had good fellowship, family gathering together and a gift exchange and it's the season of giving. But not everybody is full of joy during this time of the year. There are people who have lost loved ones, exchanged loved ones, people who start feeling depression, or maybe not depression or, or necessarily sadness, but become overwhelmed by the holidays. Gifts to buy, dinners to cook, houses to clean, events to attend, events to plan. And there is a lot of people who feel just overwhelmed, maybe not necessarily sad. There are many things that consume our life during this time of year. 
money woes, work. And a lot of these often culminate, a combination of some or all of them. Some start to contemplate their self-worth, start maybe feeling inadequate, start going into depression. If you take nothing else from this sermon tonight, nothing else, I just want you to know this. John, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Addison, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Anne, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Emma, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. JJ, you, don't need to forget that last one. So what is the psalmist saying here? I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. David is praising God. He is overwhelmed by the majesty of God in his creation. His creation in him in his unique way. David is completely in awe of God. Just think about, for a moment, the creator of the universe created everything. In first, or excuse me, in Psalms one forty-six and verse six, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein is, created the beauty of nature, the fierceness of nature. The complexities we see, the vastness we see. He created everything, and yet he created me, and he created you. Most people, at some point or another, look at the world around them, look at the universe, and they do stand in awe. Some people, however, start worshiping the creation instead of the creator. They start to believe that in this vast universe, we can't be unique. We can't be alone. There there has to be some other aspect besides just us in this whole universe. They leave God out of the picture. But God did create all, and he did create us. So who are we? Psalms 8 and verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? David addresses this in 1 Psalms 39 and 14. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. In all of creation, we are unique. The deer, 
the majestic stag, the crocodiles, lions, no other creature, no other part of creation can make such a claim. In Genesis 1, verse 26, and God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth, creepeth upon the earth. But what does this verse mean to be fearfully and wonderfully made? I think we can all pretty much grasp the concept pretty easily of wonderfully made. In a positive aspect, it means to be distinct, to be marked out, to be separated, to be distinguished from. Fearfully. Does this mean that God made us and became afraid? I don't think that's accurate. Does this mean that we were made to be feared or were made full of fear, to be scared? The word fearfully in this passage does not indicate our being terrified, our trembling, walking around like a nervous cat, afraid to be smited. Fearfully, to fear the Lord is referencing having reverence and respect for God. We see this several times in the Bible. A couple examples in Genesis 42 and 18, And Joseph said unto them the third day, Do this and live, for I fear God. Did Joseph walk around cowering? Exodus 1 and verse 21, And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. In these verses, fear isn't used to refer, reference being terrified. It's used to denote their reverence and respect for God to the extent it causes action. It causes them to be obedient to God. We follow and obey God because we respect his ways and who he is. We stand in awe of the power and the might and the righteousness of God. And we come to praise him because he's worthy to be praised. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. We were made in God's image. We were made wonderfully. We were made unique. We are a unique creation of everything else in this universe. We are unique. We were fearfully made. We were made with some innate reverence and respect for God. Every culture across the globe throughout human history have had some aspect of deity that they worshipped, that they sought. Every culture throughout human history. Now, many of them got it wrong when they thought they found it, but every culture looked towards a higher power. Even those who claim they don't believe, the atheists. In 2 Peter 
chapter 3, starting verse 4, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers were asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word, by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in water. It's not that atheists don't believe. It's that they believe in different things. They're still looking for purpose. They're still looking for meaning. They're still looking for understanding. They're just not looking towards God. They do not worship at the altar of God. They worship at the altar of science, or more specifically, scientists. Just... Think back over the last couple of years, if you've watched any news, what is one of the most common phrases we've heard over the last two years? Follow the science. That is what they go after, follow the science. Science is their God, evolution is their creator, but they're still searching. Instead of following the science, how about we follow God? Follow Jesus. God's first task to Adam in the garden was to name all the animals. He did not do this because he ran out of creative creativeness and, and couldn't think of any names. He didn't do this so that Adam could see if any of the animals were a proper mate for him. He did this to demonstrate to Adam just how unique and special he was. He created us fearfully with reverence and respect. He created us wonderfully. Even when people search out the wrong things, they still search for this meaning. Forever, people have been asking themselves, what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? What are we supposed to do with our life? What's our purpose? In Ecclesiastes 12 and 11, the words of the wise are as goads, and as nails fastened by the masters of assemblies, which are given to one sh from one shepherd. And further by these, my son, be admonished, of making many books, there is no end. A much study is the weariness of the flesh. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This desire, this, this searching out, this emptiness people feel, some people call it emptiness, some people call it whole, a void. And it's sought to be filled. And some people fill it with not so healthy activities, debauchery, substances, drugs, and alcohol. There's a posh rehab clinic in the Hamptons called The Dunes. And this is a quote from their website. One of the most common things we hear from clients at our treatment center is that they were filling a void with drugs and alcohol. Description of a hole or void are common from people struggling with addiction. They experience emptiness in their lives, and they do not know how to fill it. Why do people abuse drugs? Many turn to substances for an answer, 
but all end up with a larger problem, addiction. Learning about the empty hole symbolism in addiction can help you and your loved ones overcome substance use disorder. The root cause of addiction. Once in treatment, many people struggling with addiction realize that they started consuming drugs and alcohol to fill an emptiness in their lives. This is a very common phenomenon and it points to a widespread issue among all substance abusers. This emptiness, this hole, this search for something. But drugs and alcohol isn't the only thing that people fill this void with. The Center for Treatment for Anxiety, Mood, and Stress Disorders has this. And just as addiction to drugs and alcohol, hypersexual disorder usually begins with a more harmless activity that is used in coping with method, method to fill a void. But these are some big problems, right? Addiction. But it don't have to be addiction. It could be something that society finds completely acceptable that we fill this void with. The search for money. Filling it with entertainment. Filling it with activities. And the list goes on. Sometimes we fill it with worries. Often we get wrapped up in life, worrying about how to survive. We lose focus on what we're supposed to be doing and become consumed with worldly things. Losing a job. You become so consumed about finding another job, about, about making a living, that maybe you take a job as you're working on Sundays. Or maybe you take a job out of town, out of state, where the nearest church is hours away. Or maybe it's your kids' activities. You got a job, you got a good job. You make good money, or maybe you make better money than most. But your kids have got to be successful, right? I need to make sure my kids have the tools they need to succeed. Some of you know this if you don't know some parents who get heavily involved in, in, in activities. You might not have any clue, but there are parents who spend thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours dedicated to kids sporting events or some other extracurricular activity. It is astonishing how much money and time is spent on some of these things. But there is this hole, this emptiness, this void that we gotta fill. But what do we fill it with? What are we supposed to? What are we supposed to focus our attention on? In Matthew 6, 25, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body. What shall ye put on? Is not life more than meat, and the body more than raiment? Behold the fowl of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? We just went through how unique we are as a creation. 
which of you by taking thought can add one cubit, cannot add one cubit unto your stature. And why take ye thought of, for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They cannot toil, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you, that even Solomon in the glory was not a reign like these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye a little faith? Therefore take thought, saying, take, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do Gentiles see. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. This verse specifically mentions the needs of the body. Yeah, we all need to eat. I ain't saying we can ignore working or ignore making money or ignore these things. But I am saying our focus, our priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. We often have, I feel we have trouble with this where we are at today. I dare say none of us if, probably don't know what it's like to be truly hungry. Some of us might, but don't know what it's truly like to be hungry. But we have other worries. We might run into difficult times. Trying to get that extra client. Maybe it's a little worse than that. Sometimes we have to decide, hey, you know what? Maybe I don't need cable this month so I can pay my electric bill. Sometimes maybe, sometimes we may even have to decide, do we need water or electricity first? Which one's going to be late? Which one might get shut off? But I dare say none of us are at the point of starvation. So it's kind of hard to focus on exactly what this verse is meaning, but it's talking about worldly things. Focus on worldly things. So where is your focus this morning? Is it on worldly things? Is it on finding the best select team for your kids? Even if they have to play out of state on Sunday morning? I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Another aspect to this verse Have you ever very carefully, diligently created something or fixed something? You could have spent hours, days, or even years to complete this project. How much of you did you pour into that work? Now, if you're a woodworker, Sometimes that's quite literal, putting yourself in the work. Sean left part of his knee on one of his projects. 
I stuck my fingers in the table saw, so I left a little bit of myself in some of my projects. Stuck my fingers in the table saw, and I came in, and it was only me and uh, Sully and Wesson at the house, and Wesson was only three. And I'm, I got my hands in my shirt, and I'm bleeding everywhere, trails of blood going everywhere, and Sully's like, but he stayed calm. We walked through. We cleaned up all the blood. He took the phone out. He dialed my wife and got everything set up, but Wesson was just sitting there pale white. I thought he was about to pass out at some point, but we all made it through. But I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking about emotionally. How much of yourself do you put in a project? When God created us, how do you imagine he feels about his project? We are made in his image after his likeness. You are a masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You are priceless. It's because God is wonderful that we are wonderful. Let's take it a step further. It's because we are to fear God that we were fearfully made. Fearfully meaning respect or reverence towards God. We stand in honor, awe of God. David says you're fearfully made, but what does that mean? He made you full of reverence, honor, awe. It is because God is worthy of respect that we were respectfully made. It's because God is worthy of reverence that we were made in reverence. It is because God is worthy of honor that we were made in honor. It is because we stand in awe of God that we are an awe-inspiring creation. You think a goat or a lion can make such a claim? Everything we are first comes from the source that is God. When David wrote this psalm, David was praising God because of how God created him. Not because David was that good, but because God was that good. He was praising the creator, not the creation. When you pour yourself into a project, how do you feel when people criticize it? When you say you're worthless, not enough, insignificant, we're not only criticizing ourselves, but we are criticizing God's creation. You're also criticizing God. When you make dinner for somebody and you put hours of prep work, hours in creating this dish, and you know it's going to be their favorite dish. Your goal is to bring joy to them. You pour yourself into it. You give it to them. They're like, meat's kind of dry. I've had better. The sauce is a little runny. How does it make you feel? You take that personally. If part of yourself is in that project you made, if part of yourself is in that creation, and that creation is inadequate, what does that make you? By insulting the creation, you often insult the creator. Now, there is a big difference. There is a huge difference here. 
We are human. And quite frankly, sometimes our best just ain't good enough. I don't care what the person means to me, how bad I want it, I probably don't need to be performing surgery on anybody. That's just not in my skill set. My best would not be good enough. But you know who don't have that problem? God. God does not mess up. God does not make mistakes. God is perfect. Psalms 18.30 As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to all those who trust in him. His way is is perfect. In Genesis 1, starting in verse 26, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creepy thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them and God saw everything he had made and behold it was very good God doesn't make mistakes he saw his creation which included man and it was very good we were not an afterthought it ain't like he got done with his six-day creation and was like, you know what? I got a leftover finger here. What should I do with it? We were made with purpose. In Isaiah 43 and 7, everyone, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him. Yea, I have made him. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. When you criticize others, when you criticize yourself, when you put yourself down, I'm too fat, I'm not smart enough, I'm not good enough, I'm worthless. You're criticizing God's creation. Again, we're not perfect. We make our own choices. We own those choices. We choose to do the right thing, or the wrong thing. But our being, our talents, our abilities, and the ability to discover, discover those, that is what God created. These are from God. Criticizing those things, or the lack of those things, this is criticizing God. Not the actions you use those talents for. On the other hand, Maybe you're the exact opposite of criticizing. You look in the mirror, and all you see is greatness. Look how wonderful I am. Look what I can do. When you're looking at that reflection, you're not looking at yourself. You're looking at God reflected in yourself. That is the greatness. God gave us free will to do good or bad. Your t talent comes from him. What you do with that talent 
Let's say you have a talent, public speaking, to move people. That's from God. Here's what's not from God. Two examples. Similar talents, great public speakers, can motivate people, can move people into action. That is their talent from God. One, the Apostle Paul brought people to Christ with his talent. The other, Hitler sent people to Christ with his talent. The gift is from God, not the action. You should thank God and honor God every day for what he has given you, for your gifts, your talents, all your blessings. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is not just some feel-good verse that we say in passing, like a greeting. You walk up to somebody, hey, how are you? How many people actually expect to get a long response from that? Nobody. It's just a kind of a greeting, like, hi, how are you? What's up? So, it's just an introduction. I dare say most people don't actually expect that to precede a long conversation. But this, this verse here has real authority. Fearfully and wonderfully made. The same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. In Romans 8 and verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. And you want to tell me you're not good enough? You're worthless? You shouldn't give in to the lie. Even if it's a lie, you tell yourself of how worthless you are or how inadequate you are, or anything else. The truth is, you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Remember, we are in the image and the likeness of God. When you start focusing on other things, whether that be sadness, lost family, Missing family, estranged family, or the worries of this world. Getting that extra gift when the uh, shipping lanes are shut down. Amazon delivering it late. Cooking that dinner. Whatever the case may be, whatever we're using to fill our lives, to fill that empty, to fill the void. When you put anything before the service of God, when you start feeling overwhelmed, I want you to remember what David said. You are a reflection of God. Christ's light shines through you. You give God all the praise and glory. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The lesson is yours. We have not spoke on first principles this morning, but if you feel you've been sufficiently taught and would like to become a member of the body of Christ, if you feel like you need the prayers of the church for any reason, if you feel you're overwhelmed and you've lost sight 
on the focus of what you should be concentrating on. We stand as your servants, never as your judge. Please come forward as we stand and sing.